today, it's God's promise is not slack. And, um, and Peter, so far, he's been encouraging the church to grow in their grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been warning them of false prophets, not to make them paranoid, but to um, be realistic with them, that there will be false prophets. He's been telling them that the judgment of God is coming one day, and the salvation of God, the resurrection, the rapture of sorts, and um, eternal life in heaven. Uh, but here in chapter 3, he, uh, he goes this direction to begin with. He says, and uh, point number one, mindful of what? What are you mindful of? What occupies your thoughts? What do you feed your mind? What do you allow to linger in there? What do you meditate on? Are you, am I, mindful of the things of God or the things of men? Are you, am I, concerned about the perspectives, the opinions, the reactions of people or of God? The temporary, the immediate gratifications of life, the strivings of life, or the eternal call, the eternal life, the mission, the calling that God has for each of us. There's a phrase that's used at times, it's battlefield of the mind, and it's fitting. The flesh and the spirit fight for space inside our brain for dominance. The mind is under attack, all kinds of skirmishes going on in there. Can you relate to that? Fear, worry, doubt, false condemnation, resentment, regret, self-righteousness, comparing yourself to others, critiquing others, role-playing in your mind how you would defend your personal rights or your point of view, selfish, self-seeking, the flesh, maybe bad thoughts or embarrassing thoughts we'd never tell anybody, maybe dwelling upon inappropriate thoughts. Peter knows that the battle is real, and he begins chapter 3 by saying, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Peter's goal then and now is to stimulate, to stir up, to wake up pure minds, wholesome minds. Because we're prone to fall into a stupor. Say stupor. Say stupid stupor. (laughs) Unrestrained, uncontrolled mind will run into the weeds. Look at that baby. He's in a stupor. You know. Uh, alcohol might put us there. For some people, maybe too much screen time. There you go. That'll put you in a stupor. Jiminy Cricket. Too much sports, news, just life beating you up. Busyness, responsibilities leave you in a fog, in a stupor. I printed off um, Tech Jury had uh, some statistics that they put out recently. There's a term called nomophobes. It's the fear of being without your phone. And um, 
They said that there was a 39% increase in the number of hours people spent on their smartphones in 2020 when COVID hit, 39%. Says that the average smartphone owner unlocks their phone 150 times a day. User spends on average two hours and 51 minutes a day. That's pretty high. In comparison, the quality time spent with families is less than 45 minutes a day. 58% of smartphone users don't go one hour without checking their phones. They touch their phone 2,617 times a day. How do they collect this data? <laughs> a single phone pickup can set up a chain reaction that lasts the entire day. I've seen that to be true. Checking a notification once could end up opening a string of constant checks throughout the day or taking a direction. There's all kinds of st statistics here. <clears throat> Let's get to the important ones. 75% <clears throat> of people will use their smartphone while using the bathroom, of which 19% at some time during their life will drop their cell phone <laughs> into the toilet. But it's easy to get placed in a stupor. We don't try to get in a stupor, it just kind of happens. And our brain gets stuck in a rut. And we need to splash water in our face, we need a cup of coffee, we need something. We need to wake up, we need to engage the mind, wake up fully. The mind gets off track, the mind gets stuck in a rut, and we need help. Peter's goal in writing is to bring their minds back to restore clarity of perspective and focus on the spiritual realities, the promises of God, the end game. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.14, he says, therefore he says, wake up you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Peter wants us to wake up from the comatose mind, shock it back to life. He wants to stimulate wholesome thinking and refresh their memory. Wholesome thinking speaks to having a pure mind and actually um, the definition has the idea of being tested by sunlight. Tested as genuine, judged by sunlight. Let's talk about the brain. <clears throat> talk about the brain a little bit. The reality is that the mind can be curious, the mind can be excited, it can solve problems, it can invent solutions, create and design masterpieces, and yet it can also worry and fear. It can be perverted, a mind can be tempted, a mind can scheme, it can become confused, discouraged. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. It's amoral it can just start thinking about, I wonder if I could get a whole piece of pizza like in my ear hole, if I could shove the hole. What if a dog had like a leg sticking up on its back, like straight up in the air? The mind can just be irrational. It can just think of weird things, all of a sudden, it can connect dots that don't exist and have conclusions about those dots. It's a tool we have, and it can be healthy, and it can be unhealthy, and, and there's a battle going on for it. Our minds are under attack by a spiritual enemy. They can be compromised through the lust of the flesh, desire, lust of the eye, greed, the pride of life, ego, 
Part of our brain is reactionary. Part of it's analytical. It can be trained through pleasure or pain. It can also be trained through logic and reasoning. The mind interprets data, whether the data is reliable or not. The mind correctly or incorrectly interprets what's going on around it. The mind connects dots, real or imaginary, and it makes conclusions. Our mind is attached to nerves. Nerves to our sight, our hearing, our smell, our touch, our taste. And in a real sense, the mind hears the storms, it feels the winds, it sees the waves, sees the seas. Huh? <laughs> Peter, Peter knew that one. Peter knew that one. Peter's the one writing to us, and he's the one that God, or Jesus said, uh, um, Peter said, hey, you want me to walk out there with you on the water during this huge storm? And Jesus says, come on, Pete. And Pete gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water, supernaturally, by the power of God, towards Jesus, his eyes on Jesus. And then it says, and his eyes went to the waves and the winds, and down Peter started going into the water, and Jesus grabs his arm, pulls him up, they get back into the boat. But Peter knows the tension of all of his feelings and limbic systems saying one thing, but the spirit informing the prefrontal cortex to trust the Lord, to walk by faith. Peter's calling his readers now to continually prioritize the word of God, the promises of God, the power of the spirit, over the feelings of the flesh and the understandings of the mind. You guys want to hear something that is funny but serious? It's seriously funny. Seriously funny. Um, Let me preface it. We often fall into the trap of gauging the truthfulness of God's presence or his promises by how we feel. And maybe you or I have heard or given given the statement or the argument I have tried to meditate on the right things and believe in the truths of scripture and the promises of God despite my feelings. I've tried to do that, but I still feel fill in the blank. I still feel discouraged or depressed or anxious or tempted or... But did you see what happened right there? Did you see how we ended that argument? Did you catch that? Did you realize what we end up doing? I'm going to read that again and see if you, if, you, if you see it. I've tried to meditate on the right things and believe in the truths of Scripture and the promises of God despite my feelings, but I still feel fill in the blank. We're still gauging the truthfulness and the effectiveness of God's word and promises by our feelings still. We're still making our feelings the ultimate and a supreme authority on how things are going. We still are. The end goal was to feel something different. And so we try to live by faith so that we can gauge it by the feelings, then hopefully it makes us feel better, and if it doesn't, or if it does. Now, God can change our feelings. He often does. But sometimes not until after we crucify them. Many times not until we demote them Permanently. When we say God's word and promises aren't working because I've tried really hard to believe the right things and I still feel 
Feelings are still in charge. Feelings remain king in ascertaining the credibility of God's promises or process. Sometimes feelings can be helpful and sometimes they're not helpful at all. They deceive us or mislead us. God, help us not to make our feelings the supreme authority on what is truthful. Peter wants to stimulate our wholesome thinking this morning to refresh our memory. In verse 1, Peter is saying, I want to stir up, I want to wake up the pure mind. And then in verse 2, he says, that you may be mindful, say mindful, of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. I want you to be mindful of the things of God. This is going to bless you right now. This is going to bless you because we, got, we have some snapshots of Peter. Peter's writing this letter, but we can look at his earlier days and we can see lots of snapshots. Here's snapshot number one. Um, before Jesus was crucified, before Jesus rose from the dead, before he went back to heaven, Peter is with Jesus. In Mark 8, 31 through 33, New King James Version, it says, And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter's mind was on the things of men, earthly things, temporary things, power, position, riches, opportunity, comfort, safety, stability of the present and near future. Jesus' mind was on the mission, was on the joy set before him, the saving of many lives on eternity. Jesus could have been easily tripped up by the opinions and the envy, the opposition that confronted him. He often went against public opinion. In fact, um, Luke 9, 51 Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the world. How's that for a mental battle? There's a mental battle. I'm going, I'm resolutely aiming and walking toward Jerusalem so I can die on a cross for the sins of the world. He was heavenly minded, focused on his mission, for God so loved the world. Yeah, that's right. He so loved you, he so loved me. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. He says in 2 Timothy 2.4, he says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. God has enlisted you. God has enlisted me. We're not our own. We've been purchased at a high price. We are to let God have his way in our life. And that means walking by his spirit. 
It's the only way to really live. It's funny that Peter is telling us to be mindful of the things of God because he has this track record of living by the flesh and being mindful of the things of men. Here's another snapshot of Peter's life. In Mark chapter 1, we see Jesus, this, is, this all happens in one day, Jesus casting out a demon from a man in, in the synagogue, healing Peter's mother of sickness. It was his mother-in-law, actually. And then after the sun goes down, the whole town gathers at the door. They're bringing Jesus' sick people to heal and demon-possessed people to be delivered. Tons of them. It's a big day. Maybe the biggest day so far in Jesus' public ministry. Pretty impressive. The fame of Jesus spreading everywhere. And early the next morning, the crowds are gathering early. And the disciples look for and cannot find Jesus. And so in my mind, the disciples are thinking, we are gaining traction. Yesterday was a good day. There's probably going to be probably sponsorships today. (laughs) Probably sponsorships. Probably all the media outlets are going to be here today. This This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. And where is Jesus? No idea where he's at. Because Jesus has gone out to a deserted place to pray. And it wasn't a quick prayer. Spending time with his father, God. And finally, we read in Mark 1, 36 through 38, here comes, here comes Simon Peter. Later, Simon Peter and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. They are mindful of the things of men. Everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Again, Peter's mindful of the things of men, not of God. How are you doing? How am I doing with this? What are we mindful of? Romans 8.5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be more mindful of the things of God. I don't want to let offenses take me out. I don't want to dwell on past hurts, past regrets. I don't want to waste time on resentment or self-pity or bitterness or holding grudges or revenge. I don't want to spend time in my mind preparing my self-defenses. That is so easy to do. Just automatically, well, this is what I would tell him. And if he said this, then I would say that. I want to waste time doing that. Not to be distracted by or slowed down by the carnal mind, but waiting on the Lord, being filled with his spirit, being renewed minute by minute, pressing forward in the spirit and the power of God to accomplish that for which God has called us to do in this short life. Forgive parents, children. Parents, forgive children. Forgive your neighbor and move on. Love God, love people, love life. Love the new life, the new mission that God has for you. The new calling upon your life and upon my life.
God has jobs for us to do, works for us to do that are noble and good and pure and upright and admirable, excellent. When the thoughts keep coming in because you deal with it and then it comes back and then you deal with it and it comes back, you you keep taking it captive, you keep giving it to the Lord. There it is again, Lord, take that, Lord. Give Give me something new to think about. Give me your stuff to think about, God, and then get busy and just start doing the things that God has called you to do what God has called me to do. Find a healthy distraction. (laughs) Find a healthy distraction. Maybe it's calling a friend. Maybe it's getting some work done. Maybe it's a, a good hobby of sorts. Motion creates emotion. Start moving in the right directions by God's grace and his help. You know, we could compile, we could, we could stay here for a good hour or two just reading verses that talk about guarding the mind, renewing the mind, training the mind, and we, we don't have time for that. We're not going to do that. But you and I, we've seen already just in this short amount of time this morning that we want to be mindful of the things of God. Right. We want to be proactive with those things. And we need His help, and we need grace, and some of us need to ask for help, and we need to be prayed over and walked along beside. We may need help processing some things. I understand that. Pastor's been speaking uh, from Philippians on forgetting what is past, pressing on, looking ahead. And so, friends and Life Church, we want to daily be trusting in the Lord, and we want to be found diligent. We want to be found walking by faith and in obedience to the King, for his pleasure alone. This morning, have you slipped off the road and do you find yourself in a ditch or stuck in a rut? Let God's spirit pull you back onto his road this morning. And let's do that right now. You pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're the good God. We sang that just before ending, that you are good, good. And we thank you for being good to us this morning and and for using Peter, 2 Peter, Lord, to call our minds, to stimulate our minds back to wholesome thinking, back to faith, back to your love. We abide in you and in your love, Lord. Lord, take your time right now in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, we give you those things. We let go of unhealthy thinking. We take captive our thoughts. We hand them over to you. We demote the mindfulness of men. We demote it. Of earthly things right now, we surrender. We release that kind of thinking to you, Lord. We surrender it. We choose to receive your thoughts and your agenda and your love and your power. And we fix our eyes upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we receive your mission, Lord, and we determine to follow your mission for our lives resolutely and by your grace, Lord. Hallelujah.
God's timing is just perfect with this stuff. You know, God knows what we need it and what we need when we need it. And um, he's the good father. He's the good father. He's the one that doesn't carry grudges at all. He never carries grudges. Very nurturing to us. Cares about our life. So let's end today. And I just encourage you, encourage myself this week to just be um, very aware of that, that battlefield of the mind. And then receiving and walking in God's calling and his mission.